If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. You won't find the word loneliness in most Bible translations, but you will find stories of people who experienced it deeply and painfully. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah introduces us to some of those people and shares how God's presence transformed their lives. With encouragement that God will meet you in your loneliness, here's David with today's message, The Lonely Saint. Well, you know, friends, sometimes when we're going through difficulty, uh, one of the most difficult things about our difficulty is we think it's only happening to us. And then we get in a small group and we find out that other people have similar problems. Or uh, we read about someone having problems similar to ours. I want to tell you something that's really interesting. If you read the Bible, if you're a faithful reader of the Bible, you will find yourself there. And that's really true when it comes to loneliness. While there's no central passage on loneliness, there are many passages that deal with it. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the people who experience loneliness in the Bible. From Jeremiah the prophet to Noah, who spent years building an ark and preaching the gospel, and nobody believed him. Many people, Paul was alone. Many people felt loneliness. So if you're feeling alone today, you're not alone. Others have gone before you. And what we find out from them helps us. That's why we teach the Word of God. We're going to begin today in Jeremiah chapter 15, so you may want to find your place in the Bible there. Before we get to our lesson, let me just remind you again that we're coming to your area if you live in Texas or Florida. And every time I say something like this, when we're promoting rallies, someone will say, well, I don't live in that state, so where are you using this airtime to promote an event in two states? And I'll tell you why. Because whenever we have these events, people come from everywhere. They fly in from other states. They drive in from other states. You may not be a Texan or a Floridian. You still come, and we hope you will. We're going to be in Tampa, Florida on October the 5th at the Yingling Center, in Jacksonville, Florida on October the 7th at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena, and then we're going to be in Houston, Texas at the Berry Center on October 26th, and in Fort Worth, Texas at the Dickies Arena on October 28th. Those are our four fall rallies. You probably think you have a long time to consider them, they will be on top of us before we know it. And here's how you can be a part of it. Ask for tickets. Go to our website. The website is uh, davidjeremiah.org slash tour. There you can order tickets for any of these events. When you order your tickets, they will be sent to you electronically, and you'll be able to show them when you come to the event. Let me encourage you to make this an outreach. Bring your friends um, bring people who may not know the Lord. We're going to preach the gospel every night. We'll talk about a lot of things, but if you've been to one of these rallies, you know we always end at the right place, at the cross, with the gospel. And you can be sure of that. Get your tickets and plan to be with us as we come to your community this fall. Well, it's time to get started. 
Here's the lonely saint. A fourth of the people who were questioned recently in one survey said that they felt very lonely or cut off from other people in recent days. In another study, about 25% of the unmarried men and women and 10% of the married men and women said that they felt intense loneliness in their lives. Almost half of the widows over 50 said that loneliness was the worst problem they faced in their life. The loneliest person, according to the research, is the elderly man who lived by himself and was infirm. James Lynch, in an interview with People magazine some time ago, was asked how close the connection was between loneliness and health, and he answered it this way. He said, that's like asking what's the connection between air and health. Like the air we breathe, human companionship is taken for granted until we're deprived of it. The fact is that social isolation, the sudden loss of love, chronic loneliness contributes significantly to illness and sometimes even to premature death. Loneliness from others, isolation from others, does take a tremendous toll in the lives of people today. Before we go on to describe this in the lives of some Bible people, maybe we ought to ask a very simple question. That is, what is loneliness? How would you define it? I have to honestly say, I don't know how to define it. All I can do is describe it. And I have to describe it in terms that other people have used to describe it in their own lives. Some have described it in physical terms, like an empty feeling in the pit of their stomach, almost to the point of nausea. Others describe loneliness as an underlying anxiety. Some say that it's a sharp ache in moments of grief or separation. For others, it's a long period of stress that tears away and wears them down until they're discouraged and defeated. Men and women, there is no anguish like the anguish of loneliness. I read it in the letters that come to my desk from prisoners who listen to our radio broadcast behind bars. I hear it in the voice of a woman who calls me on the phone to tell me that her husband has left or that he is leaving. I watch it in the face of the husband who has just buried his wife. I ache with its effects as I hug grandparents and parents at the funeral of a beautiful young girl who was snatched from their presence in a few hours of violent, unexplainable disease. I observe the seeming cruelty of loneliness in the faces of many single people. Single people who are trying to find community and fellowship in a religious and social world that is almost exclusively family-oriented and couple-centered. I observe it in teenagers who are moving through the transition from children to adulthood in that unexplainable time when everything is changing. And they feel their parents don't understand, and their teachers don't understand, and their peers don't understand, and they're all alone to experience the strangeness of being a teenager in their own life. I have even seen it in the eyes of my own wife, this loneliness, when the ministry to which God has called us separates us for many nights in a row, and sometimes because of a preaching assignment for a week at a time. I listen to the music of loneliness, and it's everywhere, 
All ages has had its lonely music, music like Harry Nielsen's Without You. Some of you remember the old country and western song by Hank Williams, I'm So Lonely I Could Die. Ann Parsons' Ballad of a Lonely Man. And a song that I remember when I was growing up that went something like this, All Those Lonely People, Where Do They All Come From? I think the rhyme of the ancient mariner probably summarizes loneliness better than anything I could say. Do you remember it from your school days? It goes something like this. Alone, alone, all, all alone, alone on a wide, wide sea. And never a saint took pity on my soul in agony. Men and women, there are thousands of people all around us whose lives are summarized by that poem or by the words of David the psalmist who wrote in one of his psalms these agonizing words, No man cared for my soul. No man cared for my soul. We have to ask the question, what has happened to us as human beings? What has gone wrong with us in our computerized social age? What has happened that we can no longer be near? Even though we are right next to each other, we cannot be near. I was overwhelmingly surprised at what I found when I opened the Bible and began to read it from cover to cover with this particular subject in mind. I discovered that although the word lonely and loneliness doesn't appear one time in the text, The pages of the Bible are filled with illustrations about people who battled this disease in their own life for numerous reasons. We go back in the book of Genesis to a man by the name of Enoch. And the Bible says that Enoch walked a path quite apart from his contemporaries. In a wicked and sinful world, Enoch stands out like a shining star on a black night. The Bible says Enoch walked with God. And all you have to do is read the verses that surround that statement to know how alone he must have been. He walked with God and he was not, for God took him. On the heels of Enoch's path came another by the name of Noah. Noah, the man to whom God gave the absurd assignment of building a large seagoing vessel where there was no water and where it never rained. For many long years, he carried out the will of his God in heaven, building that huge, huge vessel. He was the subject of abuse on the part of all of his contemporaries. But Hebrews tells us that Noah walked by faith, and he did what God told him to do, though he had to do it all by himself. One of my favorite vignettes of loneliness in the Old Testament is found in the 16th chapter of Genesis in a very obscure story that only has meaning to us from New Testament times because it happens to be mentioned in the book of Galatians. It's the story of the woman whose name was Hagar. When Abraham's wife Sarah could bear him no children, she took Hagar and she gave her to Abraham for a wife. And when this Egyptian servant became pregnant, she began to hate Sarah. You know the story. And when the hostility between these two women came to a boiling point, Sarah banished Hagar to the wilderness and she fled to the wilderness in fear. There alone and frightened, she sat down by a fountain of water. If we could paint the picture of that scene on canvas, it would be the loneliest picture in the Old Testament, I'm sure. 
As you read the story, you cannot miss the stress of her aloneness. She is all by herself, away from her family, away from her friends, and there is no one to help. Yet how God dealt with her at that time should be an encouragement to all of us who feel alone. Walk with me for a moment to the mountain of Moriah. There Abraham trudges his way up to the pinnacle of the mountain with his son Isaac to carry out an unexplained instruction from his God. Take that son who is the object of your love and put him to death, said God. Take that promise of the coming nation and put him to death. So isolated was Abraham in that experience that he could not even take his servants with him. Up he went to the mountain together alone with his son. And then what can we say about Moses? He was a man quite apart. We read of him in the book of Exodus. While working in Pharaoh's court, he often took long walks by himself. And on one of those walks, he came across an Egyptian who was fighting with a Hebrew. The white hot heat of his Jewish jealous heart caused him to murder the Egyptian. And as a result, Moses was banished by Pharaoh to the wilderness of Midian. And the next time we find him, where is he? Well, he's wandering around on the backside of the desert of Midian, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. <laughs> Certainly during those years, he must have experienced the loneliness that people talk about today. Moses knew it. And then there's David. We aren't far from Moses when we meet him. His experience of loneliness was of the deepest variety, and we are indebted to him because he was one of the men who wrote down what it felt like in some of his psalms. Listen to the words of David in Psalm 102. As he expresses his solitude, he wrote, My days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned like glowing embers. I am like a pelican in the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I watch and am as a sparrow alone on the housetop. Psalm 102. Or listen to his words in Psalm 69, verse 20. David writes, Reproach hath broken my heart. I am full of heaviness, and I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. He was alone. David expressed his loneliness in a way that we can identify with and certainly understand. And we aren't finished with the Old Testament yet, for there's also Job. In fact, Job stands out as the extreme and supreme example of a lonely man. He alone feels and thinks of his suffering. Yet nowhere does he find a receptive response. All of his counselors turn him away, and even his wife tells him to curse God and die. In the midst of his suffering, he feels that God has abandoned him. He is an island unto himself, confronting the pain of his very being. When we leave the pages of the Old Testament and walk into the vestibule of the New, we are confronted almost immediately with the disciples. Interesting men who gathered themselves around the Lord Jesus to be his helpers in the distribution of the gospel. But now a strange thing is beginning to happen in their lives. Their savior, their master, their leader begins to tell them of his impending death. He begins to tell them that soon he will be separated from them and they will be with him no more. And as you see on the pages of the New Testament scripture, the interchange between the disciples and Christ 
you can hear the ache begin to rise in decibels in the hearts of the disciples as they begin to fear the loss of their Savior and his personal comfort in their life. The Apostle Paul, in his second letter to Timothy, wrote this terse statement. All men forsook me. All men forsook me. Yet I would like to tell you that the greatest good news of the lonely people in the Bible is this. That the Savior, the Christ, the Lord Jesus, felt the loneliness that you feel. Early in his ministry, as he began to teach his disciples, he warned them, Behold, the hour cometh. Yea, is now come that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and I will be left alone. John 16, 32. Jesus not only experienced the loneliness when it came, but because he was the Son of God, he also anticipated the loneliness that would come. He knew before it came what it would feel like. And all of those years of his life, as he looked forward to the cross, he experienced even before its time the loneliness of the abandonment of his father. We follow him in the closing hours of his life to the Garden of Gethsemane. We see him there with those who are closest to him, we hear him as he asks them to watch with him one hour as he agonizes for the world and he comes back to find them all asleep. And there's something of sadness in his words when he says, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? In the strangling grip of Golgotha, our Savior experienced the maximum impact of loneliness. For a seeming eternity, the Father turned his back on him. His friends had already fled. One of his disciples had betrayed him. Now even his father turned away. And in the agony and aloneness of that moment, the words of the cross seemed to scream out at us, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And if you don't know it, my friends, let me tell you that in those few moments in time, the Lord Jesus experienced the loneliness of a Christless eternity forever for each one of us. When God the Father turned his back upon his Son because of the sin he bore, Jesus Christ experienced a Christless eternity without God for every single person who would put their trust in him. Because he was God, he could compress the abandonment of the Father into a few moments of time. And when you think about what it would be like to be forever without God, let me tell you that Jesus Christ experienced that on the cross. The loneliness of that moment is beyond description. But I want to tell you something. It is the certain guarantee that Jesus Christ is able to understand your loneliness because he's been there. Certainly all of this truth from the Bible makes it hard to swallow, doesn't it? The testimony, the stock testimony of so many Christians who say, Oh, I'm never lonely. I have Christ. <laughs> or, How can I be lonely when Christ is with me? Every time somebody says that to me, I get the impression they're saying what they think they ought to say instead of what they really feel. The Bible does not say that we are never lonely. In fact, it gives us testimony after testimony of great men and women who experienced the kind of loneliness that you feel and that I have felt. Let's don't deny it. It's there. Morris West has written a book 
entitled The Devil's Advocate, in which he speaks more honestly. He does not deny loneliness, but he says, quote, Let me tell you something important. It is no new thing to be lonely. It comes to all of us sooner or later. Friends die. Family dies. Lovers and husbands, too. We get old. We get sick. And the last and the great loneliness is death. There are no pills to cure loneliness. There are no formulas to make it go away. It is a condition of men that we cannot escape. And if we try to run from it, we are driven to a darker hell than the one we experience in the midst of it. But if we face it, wrote West, we remember that there are a million others like us. And if we reach out to comfort them and not ourselves, we discover in the end that we are lonely no longer, for we are in a new family, the family of men. And I'd like to say to Morris West, there's something even better than that. If you're a Christian, you're not only in the family of men, you're in the family of God. And as you reach out to those around you who are a part of that family, you discover that the loneliness begins to go away. And I want to tell you there's more than just the testimony in the Bible of lonely people. There is the testimony in the Bible of lonely people who were met by God in the midst of their loneliness. I remember when I was going through all of these passages studying for this message, and then I went back through them the second time, and I began to discover something that I couldn't wait to get from the first passage to the next to see if it was consistent. And I found that it was in almost every experience that I've cited. And that is that when we have a testimony of a lonely person in the Bible, if we look in the midst of that loneliness, we see God breaking through into their experience in some unique and special way. Almost as if to say to us, don't fight it. It may be at that point in your life where I want to meet you in a very special way. For instance, Genesis 16 tells us that God met Hagar in the wilderness as she waited alone by the fountain of waters. Turn back in your Bibles to Genesis 16. I want you to see this with your own eyes. Genesis 16. And in the 13th verse, we read... That God is seeing her and God is meeting her. In Genesis 16, 13, we read these words. And Hagar called the name of the Lord who spoke unto her. Thou, God, seest me. For she said, have I also here seen him that seeth me. Now notice. Wherefore the well was called Ber Lahoiroi. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Berid. And the scripture teaches us that when Hagar was in the wilderness by herself and when she saw God and she saw that God saw her, she named a memorial to God's awareness of a lonely person. And the name means, Thou God seest me. Isn't that something? Here is a woman banished by her friends and her household all alone in the wilderness. No one's around and all of a sudden God breaks through into her life and she's so excited about it, she calls the place after a God who sees her in her loneliness. And Abraham's not much different. If you turn over in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 22, you'll see how God broke in upon Abraham's experience. 
In verse 11, we begin to read, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven and said unto him, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abram lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Now notice. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said, to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the word Jehovah-Jireh means the Lord provides. Hmm. I hope you're getting this picture that um, loneliness is not just about you. (laughs) No, the Bible's full of people who were in situations where they felt so alone. And yet the message is always the same. God never leaves us. I love that title because it's the title of a book that we've created just for this month. It's called God Has Not Forgotten You. It's 190 pages in a hardcover gift book, 10 chapters providing comfort and encouragement for when you feel alone, even though you're not. It's a great reminder of God's faithfulness during challenging times. And it's our gift to you during the month of August when you send a gift to help us make a difference in the lives of people around the world through the teaching of God's Word. This will be sent to you as our way of saying thank you for your investment in this ministry. Ask for it when you send your gift today. We'll see you tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Overcoming Loneliness, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's reassuring new book, God Has Not Forgotten You, a comforting reminder that God is working all things together for your good. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Overcoming Loneliness here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Parents smile when their teenagers insist on being allowed to be themselves. 
especially when they express their uniqueness by wearing the same clothes, listening to the same music, and acting the same way as their friends. We smile because we've forgotten that we did the same thing when we were their age. But it's not just teenagers who succumb to peer pressure. We adults do our fair share of conforming as well. That's not totally wrong, of course, as long as we remember that God has made us unique and has specific things for us to accomplish for Him. Sometimes that means being different. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God made you unique on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.